This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Stock up with Bud Light for game days and check out Budweiser's limited edition Copper Reserve. Please drink responsibly. They're going to run and get that boot. This game's still alive, and the Hawks have a first down. Who wants to talk football? It's Ronnie Wingo, number 20. Touchdown, Arkansas. They talked the bar. This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. What I'm hoping for is that the weather is actually going to start kind of going along with what it's supposed to be as far as spring weather, uh, getting close to it at least. It's warmer this weekend, but it's going to like, you know, you have to line them up two by two. It's going to rain and storm all week. So yeah. we finally get like 60s and 70s, and now it's going to rain, which is probably going to mess up baseball all weekend. Too. Oh, good, because it hasn't done that all year. Yeah. Well, weather hasn't had any impact on well, baseball I mean, so far. Today looks okay. Tomorrow looks looks pretty bad. Pretty bad. It's supposed to start raining like 10, 11 o'clock tonight, or, or mm-hmm. the chances of rain increase dramatically tonight late. So. Yeah. Well, tomorrow the high is going to be in the 70s, though. Right. But that, there comes, lies your problem. Is <laughs> but that you can't you, go do anything. That's right. And so, I, but the thing is, is I will take that over what we had a couple weeks ago when it was about 35 degrees and pouring rain and windy. Oh, that's terrible. Like, that's the worst type of weather. Because to me, I've always felt like if it's going to be that cold, might as well have it snow. Because I'll take snow over that cold, horrible rain, especially when you have to walk your stupid dog in it mm-hmm. and trying to wait on him to use the bathroom. Why are you demeaning your dog? Because... Ty can attest. Yeah, there's a our dog or my dog at least is one of those dogs that I love him, but he frustrates me sometimes. He really does. Yeah, wait till you have kids. Yeah. Well, maybe this is a nice precursor into having yeah. kids because that's what I've heard. I've heard that if you have a dog and you you know before you have children, it's not the same thing, but it's at least gives you a little bit of an idea. There's a little couple of things here and there that'll make you say, okay, well I could see this happening with kids. A lot of similarities. Got to make sure they. They eat. Mm-hmm. They clean up their poo. Yep. Got to get them ready to go wherever. Yeah. It's, it, they take forever on doing things. Dogs just don't talk back. Yeah, they t- exactly. <laughs> dogs don't talk back. You can just, you, you're the one that trains that dog and hopefully it trains it well because yeah. that's, my dog is not. Like giving not, up on training my children. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is well, with my, at least my dog, sometimes he'll just take a dump in the middle of the floor for no reason. I don't know why, but I wish those times I, I could. Had, my kids hadn't done that yet. Well, that's good. That's good. I'm glad that they got over that hump. But that's the thing is I wish my dog could talk because so, I could ask him why. Yeah. Why? Well, what, what, for what reason did you do this? Because I saw it on YouTube. That yeah. would be the answer. <laughs> for, is, that, is, house. is that the answer you get yeah, when you, you ask questions? saw it on YouTube. That's a dangerous answer, too, <laughs> because you could pretty much say that for anything. You know, why'd you snowboard off the roof into that pool? Mm-hmm. Well, it's all on YouTube. It's all on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, that's how it goes along with it. So, But it is Friday, and we're going to get to a lot of things going on this week. And obviously, Arkansas-Alabama basketball, the final home game for Arkansas basketball this season. It's final regular season game for Arkansas. And I think it inevitably will be Daniel Gafford's final game in Bud Walton Arena as an Arkansas Razorback. And, you know, that's that's going to be kind of a weird thing because usually these games are saved for senior night. Well, you don't have any seniors. Not one. But you do inevitably have a player in Daniel Gafford that will be leaving after this year. I think it's pretty much 100% guaranteed. I mean, what how what level of shock would you be if he said, no, I'm coming back another year? Oh, 10. Yeah. I, Maybe I, I, like the most unexpected thing. Yeah. I mean, if you're just going to go by level of expectation... I would be like as far as I could get from what I expect. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I have like, like sometimes you hold out hope. Well, maybe like I'm holding out hope like maybe right now 
there's a 2% chance the Hawks could go on a deep enough run in the SEC tournament to get into the NIT. Like, I have no expectation of the NCAA tournament. No. But maybe you win two or three in Nashville and the NIT comes calling. Or maybe the league truly gets eight and you get into the tournament by accident. The NIT tournament. Right. Make sure I'm clarifying which tournament here. Yeah, I have no expectation of the NCAA tournament. So at least I have some hope there for that. With Gafford, I've got like, I fully expect the announcement to come, like if they finish their season and don't get to the NIT. Say on or they Friday, finish their something season, like that. Like, or month, the following Monday, yeah. something, something along those lines. That's what I fully expect. We'll announce it like right after our show ends on Monday because yeah. that's, that's how it goes. Yep, nine oh one. He'll make the announcement. But, but yeah, I mean that's what I'm yeah expecting. I mean he might as well be a senior. I mean that, that's how exactly. guaranteed I am on him going you know, to the NBA. I have a theory, and I think it's almost law, but it's my theory. So you can tell me what people don't get mad when they get what they expect, even if it's that's bad. True, yeah. Even if it's bad. So no one's going to be mad when Daniel Gafford announces he's leaving to go pro. Because we fully expect this. You get mad when I don't expect something and I get a totally opposite outcome, result, consequence, whatever mm-hmm. it is. So I don't think anyone's going to be mad because no one in their right mind should be expecting him to come back. No. So we're going to get what we expect. Yeah. Here. You soften the I'm blow. Not be, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just when do you get mad in life? When something happens you weren't expecting. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really happen that often for Razorback fans as far as players leaving. I mean, there's probably a few here and there. Like Michael Qualls, I think, leaving early surprised a lot of people just because they felt like he could have another year. Uh, there's been occasions where players have transferred. Like, well, for instance, when uh, Darius Hall transferred last year. I don't think anybody was really expecting that, but then it happened. So, I mean, there's just been there's been a few of those times where – but Gafford leaving, I think, since everyone's known, since basically – because they thought he was going to leave after last year. And then it was pretty shocking, actually, when he came yeah, out and said, I'm coming back for another It year. didn't seem like a completely foregone conclusion right, last year. Because right. there was enough talk down the stretch that scouts thought he needed another. There was enough mumblings and rumblings out there to give you mm-hmm. some idea that, you know, this isn't a slam dunk deal he should go pro. It's not a slam dunk deal he would be a lottery pick. Now, that conversation with Gafford hasn't really heated up yet. Is he a lottery pick? Hmm. Because last year about this time, we were discussing what his draft status would be if he left then, and it didn't seem to be too high based on, you know, expert analysis. No, I haven't seen or heard a lot of conversations about would he be in the top half of the first round. Essentially putting him in the lottery, which that's why you want to leave is for that kind of guaranteed money, number one. And you cannot leave early if there's a good chance you'll fall to round two because... You know, there's no guarantees at that yeah. point. Because then how bad would you feel if you were Daniel Gafford and you left and then didn't even get drafted? I mean, it would kind of be all for naught right. in a lot of cases. And I don't think there's any chance he doesn't get drafted. Right, but right. You don't want to go to not be a first-round pick is my point. Yeah. Because I, I do believe he is – I believe it's now. He'll, he'll be a first-round pick. question is, is he – you know, because Portis was right there on the – what was he drafted? Eight. I think he's twenty-two, something like somewhere, that. Somewhere yeah. there, but so he was just outside of the NBA lottery picks. Uh, he's still done fine for himself financially, right? And Doing okay. establishing his career, and 
Obviously, he's with, what, Washington now? Mm-hmm. So is Daniel Gafford in a better spot to be drafted higher, same as or lower than Bobby Portis? See, that's where, that's the tough one. Because, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I'm asking because – yeah. Well, and the only thing I can say about Daniel Gafford is that he has something that almost no big men have, or at least no one his size has, and that is the ability to run up and down the court Correct. as it, good as any guard. His I mobility, mean, or at least as as good or better than most forwards. Right. But that you know, and I know he's playing more or less the five on this team. I don't think he's gonna be a of course I don't know how many how many real true fives are there anymore Not even many. in the NBA, but um. Yeah, I mean, he he can run the floor better than about any four, and nearly, and certainly, probably every five. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of these teams, or at least these NBA teams, are going to see that. And depending on the philosophy and how they can work him in, they see that ability that he has that not many other bigs do. And I think that that would be something that would be interesting to say. Okay, well, imagine if we take that, utilize that strength of him getting up and down the floor, and then just work on the other parts of his game to where he can beat any other big man down the floor and how much that's going to open up for our offense and how much it's going to be better for our defense for getting back. I just feel like that type of ability can garner you a lot of benefits more so than any other big man going into the draft right now. Not to say he's the best big man, but just he's got something that the other big men don't. And so, But I don't, as of right now, and again, I'm not an NBA draft expert, but as of right now, I would say that best case scenario, he goes around the same time Bobby Portis did. So... I'm thinking late first round, just from what I've been reading from some NBA scouts, what I've been seeing for as far as what his upsides, his potential could be, some of the downsides that he has. I mean, that's what I about I'd expect. Which, you know, again, since this is inevitably his last game, it got to me thinking. Because Mike Anderson's only had one player drafted since he's been at Arkansas, and that was Bobby Fortis. He's the only one that's been drafted into the NBA. And even before that... Can you remember? Do you remember the last time before Bobby Portis, Arkansas had an NBA draft pick? <laughs> I mean, I have to think about this. Yeah, Ronnie Burr. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a long time. So uh, it's just it hasn't happened that often. And so with Daniel Gafford, inevitably, I think we all agree that he's going to be drafted. But and, going going off of that though, where would you say he ranks? And you don't have to be drafted to have a good NBA career. We've seen that with. You know, like Patrick Beverly. He, I don't believe he was drafted, right? Oh, yeah. I have to look back. I, I know believe he was. I mean, I'm just thinking of some guys. You got me to thinking. Um, but the point is, why would you leave early if you're not going to get – my point is, there's no need to leave early unless you're a guaranteed first-round draft pick. Yeah. I think Daniel Gafford falls into that category. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I think that he – if he does but it, the, it's know, better other, for him to leave than to stay. Because there's, what, 30, 30 teams? Mm-hmm. So is he one of the 30 best players available in the world? Because this is no longer just a college basketball thing. Yeah, because we, We'll hear all kinds of names from all kinds of places around the globe throughout their 60 selections. I think he's one of the best 30. One of the I best do. 30? But that doesn't mean the top 30 teams are going to draft he, him. Is he one of the best 15? Uh, no. Yeah, I don't know about that. But yeah, I, that's why I feel like he could be a late I first mean, round. We pick, know who's going case. one. Yeah, are you sure? <laughs> Some kind well, you know this whole knee thing. But, yeah, no, I think the shoe I believe, exploding. <laughs> I believe Zion's uh, yeah. going to be one. I, I would, I would throw that guess out there. And that's the crazy thing about the NBA is because you never know who's going to have the first pick. I know the Suns are going to have the Who best gets chance. The frozen envelope. Yep, they have the best chance of it, but doesn't mean they're and for then, sure going to get it. What it's it's 
kind of rare that I mean it happens. Yeah, it but it's kind of rare that the team with the most ping pong, ping pong ball. balls in there actually gets it. Yeah, and it doesn't happen too often because what was it? Cleveland one year or got got the first pick three out of the four years, something crazy like that. So sometimes it happens that way. But Daniel Gafford playing his last game tomorrow has me thinking: Where does he rank among all Arkansas all-time bigs? They've had some great players, and not many yeah. of them were drafted. I go back and I think. Joe Klein, I think Oliver Miller. I mean, I mean I'm just thinking about right. the and Corliss. I mean, I know he well, wasn't I know he wasn't technically a, a post center, but I'm just I mean, thinking about a, guy, you know, I grew up and Joe Klein was like he was the man when I yeah. was a kid. Yeah. And Oliver Miller when I was a teenager. You know. Yeah. Those 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 are the first two big men I think mm-hmm. of. And Probably Bob. leaving out some some equally as good players, but Joe Klein spent a lot of years in the NBA. Follow the show on Twitter at HitThatLineAR. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Now he does a tightrope back. Boy, Houdini's in the house. We're number three, and nobody's home to watch that house. Touchdown, Hogs! Holy Hogs! Spring football is still upon us, and of course, practices are going through, and we in the media get to meet with some of the players and talk to them about a few of the things. Got to catch up with Connor Nolan, also C.J. O'Grady and a few other players as well. But some of these quotes, especially from C.J. O'Grady, this is something I found fascinating when he was asked the difference between last year and this year. I think last year people weren't really like bought in all the way. Coach Morris, with him coming in, I think people like still felt the effects of Coach B and weren't just really on board with what Coach Morris wanted to do. And this year, everybody's starting to get it. Everybody's, you know, just on, on board and really uh, changing with the culture and going with the culture that uh, Coach Morris wants. And I think that's the big difference this year. Two things. One, he mentions that how everybody was not bought in, which how many times have we heard this? And the more I hear it, the more I wonder if it was even worse than what we thought. Oh, I think it was. Yeah. I think it was even worse because we knew that there was some mm. sort of disconnect and that there were some players that were not all in on Chad Morris. It was obvious. But the more and more you hear about it, the more and more you think that it was a, it was a cancerous situation. And then also the other thing that he mentioned is having the Coach B effect or some guys still have, having the effect from Coach B, which I thought was could be taken in different ways depending on what, how you're looking at it. But I, I when Tyler was with us, uh, I guess what day, I don't remember what day it was, a Tuesday, Tuesday, I believe, yeah. When he was on with us, he's talking about last year and just how he considers it just a throwaway year. How it doesn't doesn't even want to count. He says people don't want to hear that. It's obviously going to go against Chad Morris, but he just wants to throw it away and not even kinda count. Like, kind of like 2012. Yeah, the the one John L. Year. The John L. Year. Yeah, just just it doesn't didn't mean anything. Gotcha. And that's kind of how when I start hearing more of these comments and I start seeing what Chad Morris is trying to do and getting more players in and seeing how many players have left from that team last year. Twenty eight players up to this point from just a year ago. And talking about the culture change and somebody like C.J. O'Grady, who is around for Brett Bielma and for Chad Morris and has been bought in and saying these comments, you know, it really makes me believe that last year might have been a year that you just need to say it doesn't count because, again, I'm not saying Chad Morris wasn't to blame because I think he made some mistakes and I think he'd even admit he made some mistakes and learned some things. But I don't think we truly understand the gravity of the situation he found himself in when he walked into those doors as a head coach and saw the players not only with the culture that they had, but with the attitude that they had and how there were a few of the individuals, I don't think we'll ever know officially who the names were, but there were a few individuals that made it even worse for other players in that locker room and made it worse for the coaching staff. You can start with a list of, uh, what, 28 players that are no longer here. Now, some of those just went out of eligibility, but there's some that, you know, 
you could probably found guess. other places to go play college football. Yeah, and some of those the reasoning was obvious, like a tie story, and then some of these players you're like okay, this 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 makes sense now knowing what we know. So mm-hmm. yeah, but it just makes me wonder because again when I keep hearing this it just it makes me feel like it's so no. much worse. But it makes me wonder what was it. What was it about Chad Morris and what he did, and why did well, these I mean, play? Like, what is it? You can say listen, it's just changed. You get but- used. You get used to a coach and a style and a set of rules and a way of business, if you will. And then someone comes in and wants to hold you accountable in different ways, measure you in different ways, um, put greater expectations on you in certain ways, and it's it's human nature to push back from that. To Rebuke for you just don't want any part because hey I've been doing it this way for four years or three and a half years or whatever it's been at that point and I'm not about to change. People don't really like change. It's just human nature. I understand that, but I feel like it was a much worse situation that Arkansas because we see teams around the country change well, coaches and change cultures, but it seemed like it was twenty okay. times worse for Arkansas. So then you get a group of your buddies on the team, four, five, or six of them, and they all agree with you, and y'all sit around and have a pity party together and. Hey, ain't none of us changing. We're not going to these 5 a.m. workouts. We're not going to this, whatever it is. It's now the expectation. And then it just creates a problem. Because it's one thing if it's one or two guys in a locker room. But when it becomes a dozen or 15 or 20 that are all not on board, that's a real problem for a team. But I just, how can you as an athlete, as a competitor, Knowing that a circumstance was out of your control with your coach being fired. I get it. You like you loved him. You love sure. Brett Bielema. I get it. Coaches change and it sucks because that's the guy that recruited you. That was the guy that dealt with you. That You loved him. But desperate times called for desperate measures and they had to make a change. And they made a change. And then you still have eligibility left. I don't understand how you as an athlete or you as a competitor would sit there and being, on, being a football player, then come in, a new coach, and then you hear what he has to say and what he wants to do and say, all right, I'm not I'm not doing this for this guy. I'm not doing it. I'm going to go around to all my buddies and say, man, screw this guy. I'm not doing this. We're not doing this. We're, we're, we're going to do our own thing. Forget this guy. I, I just don't understand how what mindset you can possibly have. Because you can't do that in any other realm of your life. You, like, imagine if that was in business. Because we've used this mm. example a lot. Imagine you're working for a company where a new CEO or a new boss or whoever comes in changes some things and you as an employee and you say no i'm not doing any of that stuff i'm like i miss the old guy i'm not doing that first off you're not gonna have a job for very long if you're right. gonna have that attitude and second off the company and the business itself is going to suffer from it true. because of you all of that's true and it's it's a selfish act by him for one and two i it makes me have a little sympathy for well, chad morris in the situation he found himself in and just how bad it was that he and how bad of the situation he took over from some of these individuals if this had been a business where you were at at, at will or at liberty, like you would in, in life, to just release an employee part ways. Hey, this isn't working out for either one of us. You would, They would have done that in September and October and November. They would have started purging their workforce, if you will. And I'm using a you know a, a, an employment term. And I know people will say, there, you're calling them employee. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying right. Chad Morris doesn't have the freedom in the middle of a year to just start cutting his roster because then what? You know, A, you got academic reasoning behind that. B, you got to have guys to have enough practice players. You got to, I mean, you just keep going down the list. 
this isn't like a normal real life situation. We fire a guy on Friday, bring his replacement in on Monday. Can't you know, do it. Can't do it. So that's why you have seen so many here from the end of the season till till the start of this semester leave out because I think it's all about culture. He what was one of the first things he mentioned in his pre spring practice press conference? Culture. Mm-hmm. One of the big words with him was was about the culture change. That's what all of this is about is getting that everybody on the same page with the mindset. Yeah. Because even when we've had Tyler and he's talked about culture and the culture that it was with Petrino when he played, there was a culture there. And that was one of the main reasons of why they were successful. Of course, Bobby Trainer was a great coach and they had great players, but it was a mindset where no matter what late in games, you were mentally tough, that you could overcome anything. It, it, that was the culture that was built within those practices and within that mm-hmm. locker room. And you didn't have that yeah, this past team year. Teams seemed to have a lot of quit in them. Yes. A um, lot of willingness to, in the fourth quarter, not finish. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, that 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 was the difference in two or three games easily. And it just didn't make sense of how, as a competitor, you'd let that happen. I, I, I'd always want to make the best of the situation that I was in. I think we all would Sometimes here. you get so frustrated, you get so angry, because what were we talking about at the beginning of the show? Expectations. You didn't expect to have to play for a different coach your last year or in your junior year mm-hmm. or what, whatever your status was. So now you're angry, frustrated, upset, whatever the proper emotional tag is here. You've been triggered because you're getting what you don't – you're getting something you didn't expect. The expectation was Coach Bielema and that staff was going to be here all the way through my four to five years as a Razorback. Now I've got to adapt. Well, that's a good life lesson because guess what? Life's all about change. Mm-hmm. Life is all about overcoming what you see in your mind as an obstacle or an adversity. And some were tough enough to fight through it. Some needed to find a different situation. And then there were guys that just needed an opportunity to play. Mm-hmm. And that's the other factor. Some of these guys that left were just about, wasn't a cultural fit. You know, it was, it wasn't them fitting in with the philosophies of the coach. It was just, they couldn't win a spot on the depth chart. Yeah. And, and those things happen. But it's just, it was such a waste. And that's why I'm almost wondering. And, and we've made it easier. I say we. Just society has made it easier to quit now. The NCAA has made it easier to transfer. Now look at the transfers every I year. Mean, it grows Basketball is unbelievable. So now we've just made it easier. We've opened a double door to, well, here's your way out. Here's your trap door. Don't stay and stick and fight it out. Let me give you an option to take a parachute out of here. Yeah. And there was a few players that you wonder why they didn't transfer out as soon as Chad Morris arrived. I don't, I don't know the situation, but it's like, if you're not going to play or if you're not going to buy in, then leave. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's how it needs to be. If you're not going to do it, then don't waste anyone's time. But with last year and knowing how bad it was and knowing the situation Chad Morris ro- rode into, kind of makes you wonder if there's going to be a little bit of a longer rope for Chad Morris. Not saying that if he goes 2-10 and ten this year, then he deserves two or three more years. I, I, don't, I don't say that, but just if people are going to be a little more apt to giving him the benefit of the doubt, giving them a little more time because it's like, dude, you took over a situation that it was a no-win situation. I think this year's critical for him with the fans at least to show that there's a direction. Yes. That there is – this is a coaching – because I think there's a lot of people that are still trying to figure out whether or not – I mean, Chad Morris doesn't come in with this resume. Like, Bielema, Bielema had a resume of winning Big Ten titles and had, having done things at a Power 5 level. Chad Morris has none of that on his resume as a head coach. No. Closest thing he got is being the coordinator at Clemson. Mm-hmm. So, it's a big year for him to prove 
yeah, we may not have won eight or nine ball games in 2019, but we showed that we can take this program from where it was to and elevate it and, get, and got the trend line going in the right direction. And I think more or less just sum it up simply, hey, we know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. This is a coaching staff that knows what they're doing. I'm qualified, capable as the head coach to get this program back to where it belongs. Because I think there's a lot of fans out there still wondering whether Chad Morris can can do that because he doesn't have he doesn't have it on his resume that he's done that as a head coach yet at this level. Yeah. So and he's in the toughest division in all of sports, perhaps. Yeah. And he's done a lot of the things behind the scenes that will make this better, like recruiting, right. like getting rid of the players that'll hold you back. You know, the, those types of changes, those type of culture changes that are needed. It's just it's got to translate onto the field. Right. It's got to show up in the product. Yeah. So it's got to show up in the bottom line. What's the bottom line? Wins. Yep. To me, it's a critical year to win at least five and maybe six yep. this year. You got to win. You got to win an SEC game right. for sure. Well, I mean, in order to, do, to get to five or yeah. six, either you number, win. you got to win an SEC game. Yeah. And as so. sad as it may seem to be, folks, if you go six and six, that this coming there, that's, that's a, a great year. That's a win. That, that's a, that's a very great year. Four win improvement. Take that all day long. Subscribe to hit that line on iTunes. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast. Gibbs to Alex Collins straight up the middle, and Collins on the run. They won't catch him. Alex Collins is going to take it all the way to the house. Touchdown, Arkansas. 80 yards. Yahoo Sports put out this report that Will Wade was caught via wiretap and on tape of talking with Christian Dawkins, who's essentially a player agent in high school, talking about making offers. I can't even play the audio. I can't even read the audio because, first off, Will Wade has a potty mouth, and he's going to owe a fortune to the swear jar. So I can't even read because he just went off and about well, that, so he can't play it. But he looks like he's in really big trouble. I, I Just given the circumstances and where they're at. Well, he was at a luncheon yesterday. So the first opportunity the media got to talk to him about the situation that he finds himself in was just at a simple luncheon, and here's what he had to say about the investigation. Literally, as you were talking, yeah, I, I haven't read it. I haven't read it, so I don't have any comment on that. It doesn't look good. How do you approach it going forward even when you do get to see it? I'll have to read it and look at it, and then from there I'll we'll move forward as we need to. Do you feel cooperation is the best thing in this instance? I, I haven't read it. I don't know. I'm not sure. How will you address it with the guys? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what there is to address at this point. So um, I'll look at it and we'll go from there. I guess he's doing the right thing by, yeah. you know, playing dumb. Like, oh, I haven't read it. I haven't seen it. Anything like that. But well, it, what are the chances that Will Wade is the coach of LSU next year? Assuming that this is all true next week. Yeah, or next yeah. week even. Because listen, it, yeah, we talked about the thing with had Shot Miller involved and and all of that. But this is something well, that's even next level where they have full-fledged proof of him talking about Damn. offers but isn't that what they said they had on sean miller yeah but the i guess i need to look at the differences between them but this one i guess it has to do with the player that's actually on currently on his squad right now and with the dominoes now, that fell from these guys I, being convicted and where when are they saying this was recorded because right all of this investigation it. really started ramping up and the fbi was working on this well over a year ago so is this an old tape that they've got, or is this something more recent? You, you know, you'd assume it's an older tape. Yeah. Considering you're talking about a player that's on his roster, yeah. you just go back and do the timeline on when this player would have been 
recruited. Yeah, because they, they believe it's referring to Javante Smart, which is a player that's currently on his roster. And so uh, this was occurred in 2017. So it's been a while. It's been about two years since this happened. But this is when the FBI was monitoring some of Dawkins, Christian Dawkins' cell phones as part of the federal government's investigation yeah. into college basketball corruption. But like as big of a deal as this is for Will Wade and obviously for LSU, and if you're an LSU fan, you're kind of sitting on the edge of your seat not really knowing what's going to happen. Because yeah. like you said, Tommy, well, it's one thing if you're 15 and 15, but if you're a team that has a legit chance of making the Final Four, maybe even the national championship, it's worrisome. But it, it, and the, the reason I wanted to bring up the timeline of the call is how big an idiot would you have to be to be on the phone – texting, emailing, any kind of traceable, trackable conversation, electronic or otherwise, now, knowing that this investigation is going on out there. Yeah. That'd be pretty brash. Yeah. I I, I don't, yeah, that would, that timing of it all, I think is what a lot of people have been interested in just to see just exactly when it took place. The timing of the Sean Miller story about a year ago, it's like, 51 weeks ago or something like that, right before the NCAA tournament. It was during conference tournament week is when it was last year. And I believe he set one game in the Pac-12 conference tournament, if I'm remembering correctly. I just think the timing, we hadn't heard much about, you know, college basketball season was starting with a little bit of conversation about this. Then all of this was kind of in the background, but this hasn't been a forefront conversation all season long, right? No. And then here we are. Right in the middle of post. are about to get underway about in postseason play. Final regular season games played this weekend. Conference tournaments begin next week. People are really starting to pay attention to college basketball, and here come these stories again. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, timing's everything. Like, there's this. <laughs> I just don't. I, I, I never believe in coincidences when yes. it comes to timing like this. I, I just don't believe in it. But, like, here's just a comment that uh, Will Wade said. When talking with Christian Dawkins, he says, dude, I went to the handler with a strong offer about a month ago. And I mean, really strong. I had to clean that up a bit. The problem was, I know why he didn't take it now, because it was tilted toward the family a little bit. It was tilted toward taking care of the mom, taking care of the kid, like it was tilted towards that. Now, I know for a fact he didn't explain everything to the mom. I know now he didn't get enough of the piece of the pie in the deal. And that course is the one quote that's going to stand out to everybody and i think there'll be more investigation on this and who knows will wade may not even be the coach a week from now we, we don't really know how it's going to play out but i guess what i what i'm hoping and because the ncaa is you know say what you want about them when i'm hoping the ncaa and this is much more bigger than the ncaa because it has to do with the federal government you know fbi is involved but i'm hoping that this is going to start really getting trying to get the product cleaned up in college basketball where there is corruption across the entire board of this type of situation where you start seeing coaches go down, you start seeing uh, AAU circuits go down, you start seeing handlers go down, you start seeing all of it go down because it's just been a really big problem with college athletics. It's not just basketball. I mean, it's college football. There's a lot of this going on. And I just hope that maybe this will get the domino effect rolling of trying to clean up all the products that are behind all of this nastiness that goes on behind the scenes of things we don't even know about a bunch of high school kids would the because the nba has talked about lowering their draft age back down a year Mm -hmm. to 18 where you could enter the draft without having to go to college right would that clean up some of this i think it helps prized recruits probably wouldn't be going after i think it would help i mean i don't think that's 
I, I, we're, I really wish the NBA and college basketball could get together and adopt a rule similar to what we have now in college baseball. Mm-hmm. But I don't see that happen. I don't see the players' union ever agreeing to that. But I think that would help a bunch. But if these if these best players you're willing to really take the biggest risk for are going to go to the NBA, I think it would that would help clean up some of this. As much as I would hate to see the best 18 and 19 year olds out of the game. It would help. Wouldn't yeah. that make it worse? Because the colleges would be then forced to do more I don't think to get a, those players to come to campus. Because if you're deciding between the NBA, the potential at millions of dollars, or coming to a college campus where you don't make any maybe, money, I would think it would make it worse because the colleges would almost be forced, not colleges, but the coaches, well, alumni would almost how, be forced to bring these kids in with even more drastic measures. How many of these players are you willing to take this kind of risk over? Is it 10? Is it 15? How many, how many high school players are out there you're willing to put yourself on the line, your job on the line, to get that player on campus by any means? I mean, I, know, I, I, mean, I, I, mean, know I don't exactly, know. Exactly, but yeah, it's, it's a smaller I, number. I'm, I would think so. I mean, in, I would think the best six to eight, 10 players a year mm-hmm. might be out of high school going in. That's a big number, I think, like when you get to 10. I think a lot of years it'll be six or less. So you think those are the only players that are getting proper benefits? I mean, no, oh, no. but well, I think I mean, that those are the ones that are getting the – because, listen. The big this, stuff. Yeah, because like Javante okay. Smart, according to the – and this other players too, people are saying that he was offered or at least given something comparative to an NBA rookie minimum. Wow. An NBA rookie minimum contract. Is how much well, he was given, and and if for for those of you who are wondering, that's roughly about eight hundred thirty eight thousand dollars. Just by and large, how does the coach come up with those kind of resources? What's through this? What kind of booster is willing to write that kind of check to get a player? This whole this whole thing is done through handlers. It's, it's, well, I know, I mean, but the handlers. money's coming from somewhere. I she understand com- handlers, but, but yeah, who's How's this happening? It's a shoe company. It's agents. Yeah. I mean, this is the whole, the old is FBI thing. A, is, is Adidas, right? It's coming yeah, from the Adidas. Adidas. I mean, there's Nike people involved as well, but it's not like it's in not, the AU circuit, the biggest. Not Daddy Warbucks. Yeah, is right it's yeah. the alumni. Like we, we think uh, there's, there's different problems in each of the collegiate sports, but with basketball, it's the shoe companies and how mm-hmm. much power they have because kids most, they're going to Nike schools. It's all that power that have. That's like the biggest problem we face no. in college basketball today. I just, I just, as long as John Calipari goes down, that's all I care about. Let's go to the phone lines. Joe's in favor. What's going on, Joe? Hey, what's up, guys? So, you know how we're always on Mike Anderson's back about he's not recruiting well enough. Uh, how, how often do we talk about maybe we're just in a league that has a little more corruption than our eyes see? Um, go ahead. Hit me up with that. Thanks for taking my call. Well, I appreciate call. the phone call, Joe. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I think that, yeah, it, it's going around, but I still think there are plenty of players that aren't having to go through those hoops and that aren't asking for tons of money and, and requiring a bunch of money that you can still win with and still recruit with. Yeah. I, like, it's not everybody's doing that. We we were just mentioning, like, what, 15 to 50 amount of players that's maybe getting improper benefits at the most. You can still win a lot of games without getting the top one of the top 50 players or a few of those. So it's not everybody. And I do think that corruption is going on. I mean, you, you see it all the time. And what's going on with LSU right now? There's no secret that they went from being a terrible team to a great team. And they had great recruiting class. Well, it's 
Kind of obvious why. Because you're, if you're doing these things, you're getting involved with it. So, yeah, there's no doubt that, that goes into it as well. Your number one source of local news and information you need. Like the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast? Check out the Halftime Pod at hitthatline.com.